Hello, welcome. We are 28 days into our 40-day journey to develop your relationship with God. This has been a wonderful opportunity to just grow and develop this relationship. We have talked about intentionally spending time with God, committing to read your Bible, and really knowing that God is trustworthy. This week, we're going to shift our focus from God to you. A relationship depends on both individuals, right? And you are the other individual in this relationship with God. So we're going to look at the other side of the equation, you. Are you ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to delve deep into developing this relationship with you. It is different than a relationship with a person. We can't read your body language. We can't hear your audible voice. We don't perceive you the same way we do another person. I pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that we would know you more and that we would trust you more and we would know who you created us to be as individuals. Lord, be with me today as I share with your children what it means to have a new identity because you redeemed us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, who are you? You have a name, you have parents, maybe you have children, you have hobbies, you have skills, maybe you have some kind of title like doctor or mayor or chairman. You have a job that you perform or a degree that you carry. Additionally, you have your body, right? You have height, you have weight, you have sex, you have IQ, and how old you are. These facets of reality we often use to define ourselves or introduce ourselves to others based on the hats that we wear or the titles that we carry, and they're useful and important in life and time and space. But spiritually, they don't, well, they don't carry a lot of significance, and they are less important on the spiritual side of things. Scripture says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Okay, now before we wake out about the English, the English language for a long time has had a rule that says when you're talking about a group of people, either one person or many people of a group, they are generally referred to in the masculine. Mankind means all humans, all people. I'm not going to go into a long lecture over firemen or firefighter, mailmen versus mail carriers. They're basically the same thing. And when I speak, I often use the masculine adjectives, such as man, referring to people. That's how the Bible speaks. It doesn't mean just men with their male genitalia. Some Bibles have updated their translation to say people or persons, Man refers to people or any person, regardless of the facets of how you may describe yourself. A male man carries the male. A male man could be male or female. That's just how it is. So when God talks about men in the Bible, he generally does not mean male only. He means people, all people. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature also means she is a new creature. Okay, done there. Let's move on. (laughs) First Corinthians says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
or a new creation. Depends on your translation. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. Well, what's new? Your sex is the same. Your age is the same. Maybe you wish your weight was less or your height was more, but they're the same. The titles, the hats all remain the same. Any title you held before accepting Christ, you still have. What does Paul mean when he says you are a new creation? The old is passed away. New things have come. Well, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul starts with a farewell and he says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, your whole spirit, soul, and body. Be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. So who are you? You are body, soul, and spirit. And you are a new creation. So what's new? Well, in James it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. God breathed life into Adam. And they had community together. They had unity together. God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. God told him, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or they would die. They would surely die. Then Adam and Eve ate from the tree, and when they heard God, they hid from him. Wait a minute. Didn't they die? No, God's walking, and he's like, Adam, Adam, where are you? Now, of course, God knew where Adam was, but when God pressed, Adam finally admitted he heard God's call but hid out of fear because they were naked. So they continued to live. Their bodies didn't die. They continued to live through the day and the exposure to their sin and the expulsion from Eden. So what gives? Adam lived 930 years. Is God a liar? No. Their physical body did not die, but their spirit connection with God died. Their unity with God died. Their community with God was separated and strained. They still had relationship with God, and their children had relationships with God, though they had all sinned. God still pursued them, but their sin created a breach between them. They were severed. They had relationship, but not unity. Consider a divorce. The marriage dies. But the individuals still speak and share custody, or, well, some divorced people can, but maybe not all. Some make a break and want no interaction with the other person. But you get the point. The marriage died, and that unity between the two died. But the two people remain. The connection is not the same. So when you accept Christ and commit your life to Him and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. It was your spirit that was made alive. You were dead in trespasses and sins before Christ, and now you're a new creature, a new creation, a new creation that has never existed before. It's not modified, it's not rehabbed, it's converted, updated, or remodeled. The old has passed and gone, and the new has come a new spirit. Okay, let me let me make this a little more something you can wrap your head around. In my area, 
there's a company called Sheets that's been updating their stores. Now they sell several types of fuel, unleaded, premium, ethanol-free, diesel. They have every kind of fuel you can imagine. Additionally, they have a huge convenience store. They make made-to-order food. They have a beer cave. They have coffee. I mean, they make burgers. They make subs. You name it, they've got it. A significant difference is Sheets is not just remodeling or updating. They're completely removing the old and building new. Once a newly built store is opened, when the old one was, the interior appears to have not a lot of changes. The most notable is the addition of a drive through And these are completely newly built locations. This isn't just adding a fast food franchise. The food is still made to order. It's great quality, but it's not what I would call fast. And again, they're not buying new land or adding new stores. They're taking an existing store, demolishing it, digging up the tanks, and building new. Top to bottom, bottom to top, however you want to look at it. To Sheets, the changes are so significant, it's cheaper to close a store for several months, completely demolish it, and build completely new. And this is what God wants to do when you surrender to Christ and your ability to save yourself, right? You, you admit, I can't do this. I'm not capable to live a perfect life or to even get my life right. I'm struggling and Christ, I need your help. Jesus, I need your help. So he's surrendered to Christ and God says, okay, I want to rebuild you. Now, the first thing he does is your spirit is completely separate from God. And when you commit your life to Christ, God creates in you a totally new spirit, born anew. You're born again. And your spirit is in community or communion with God. You're once again united with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because you're now in unity. Holy Spirit comes to live within you and be in unity with your spirit. All new. And yet, we don't really feel new. Our sins separated us from God. We were dead in sin, and as a result, we were transformed from our original intent. We weren't exactly the people God created us to be. My husband and I went on a road trip recently, and I kept noticing buildings clearly intended to be service stations. You know, the old-timey gas stations with one or two service bays for repairs or tune-ups. These old buildings are currently are car rental places or car washes. Some of them are a convenience store or insurance companies, shops of all sorts. They used to be affiliated with a large gasoline company like Clark, or Texaco, Golf, Shell, Amco, Marathon. You know, the list goes on and on. Now, we saw a few that had been repurposed and abandoned, left to just total disrepair. They were separated, dead, to the parent company that originally built them. Our sin separated us from our parent company, God. We were dead in sin and transformed from God's original intent for us. When we accepted Christ, we became permanently linked to God again. We are His and He is ours. The ownership has been reclaimed and His name is our name, as it should have always been. He had adopted us and we call Him Father. We call Jesus Brother. 
John called this being born again. Physically, we still look the same. And initially, not much changes on the outside. But legally, everything has changed. I kind of call this the already but not yet. We are his already, but we're not fully transformed into who he created us to be. Already, but not yet. Let's take a minute here and thank those who support this show. This is a value for value show. So listen to this and then we'll get right back to it. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast and find value in what you hear, all I ask is you turn that value into a number and go to elainecross.com and make a donation. I freely provide my time, talent, and treasure to publish it, but I need your help to continue to provide this for you. I know people need to hear this, so I won't set up a paywall or subscription level. I refuse to be beholden to advertising corporations that control the content. You are who I want to serve. So help produce the next episode to spark the light in someone else to push back against the chaos of darkness, one person at a time. Go to elainecross.com, that's E-L-A-Y-N-E, cross as in Jesus died on the cross, dot com, and make a donation. Then send a note to me at donation at elainecross.com. Let's continue. Okay, so... You've got that picture in your mind of those old service stations, those small old gas stations that have kind of been repurposed. And I told you about Sheets and how they're remodeling their old stores and and building completely new ones where the old one used to be. This is what happened to you when you got saved. God created a new spirit in you for you to be in relationship with him. Now that part is complete. It is finished, period, full stop, all done. But what about your soul and your body? So I'm going to stick with the property analogy just to make it a little more understandable, but let's go a little more personal. Let's say there's a home you pass often and admire its architecture and the location. One day you discover your great-great-grandparents built that home. When you first learned the history of the house, you were both surprised and doubtful. Eh, is that really true? You do a little digging into the family history, and you're pretty sure, yeah, this is the family house. My great-great-grandparents built this place. Now you have this unction to bring it back into the family. And as you dig more into the history, you see this sad account of struggle and troubled situations, but you can rectify that past. You have a passion to make things right. So you contact the owner to see if they're willing to sell. No. You wait, you watch, five years go by, you ask again, no. Five more years, no. You're not dissuaded. In fact, your determination grows as you continue to learn more about your family history and begin to dream about what the house used to look like. You've gotten some old pictures and you've dug up some old information from the historical society and years continue to pass and suddenly you notice a for sale sign. The owners are ready to sell. Money changes hands, documents are signed, they're recorded at the recorder's office, and you own the family home. It's back in the family. The for sale sign is removed, but to the average passerby, nothing really has changed. Yet, everything has changed. It is back in the family. 
And this is what Christ has done for you. You were created, built to be in God's family, in community with God. Sin separated you from him, and he tried to draw you back, and he tried to draw you back. Finally, you surrendered your life that was set on a course for destruction away from Jesus, back to him to bring into alignment with everything you were meant to be, everything God created you to be, everything God dreamed you would be. But I get it. You're not an old service station. You're not an old home, are you? You know what you would do if you purchased an old building. You'd remove the old junk that was left behind. You'd clean. You'd paint. Of course, prior to cleaning and painting, you would make repairs, right? Because most old houses, wow, they need repairs. Some of those repairs might be significant, like the electric and the plumbing, roofing, foundation cracks. These issues would need to be addressed before fixing the landscaping or painting the exterior. Similarly, God wants to transform you into who he created you to be. But he's also passionate about free will. God's not going to force himself on you. He's a complete gentleman. Nor does God want you to try and fix everything yourself. You just can't do it. This is a common trap that most religions fall into because we humans, well, we're naturally driven to self-sufficiency. I can do it. I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'll make it right. Well, when you accepted Christ's offer to substitute his perfect work for your fruitless attempts at self-righteousness, God created in you a new spirit linked to the Holy Spirit. Simultaneously, you became God's temple. In essence, you became God's service station where he can be in relationship with you and serve his other children through you. But salvation is just a title transfer. You still control access to your soul and body. And your body and soul are kind of a mess. Initially, God only influences your spirit directly because he gives you a new one. But he knows your life experiences have hurt you and altered his design for you. He sees these places. He knows where you need transformation. He knows where you've been hurt, how you've been hurt, what's happened, and what lies have been told to you that you think are truth. And he wants to minister to those things. But you're free, and you control that. Similar to restoring a house. You know, if you bought an old home and you wanted to restore it to its original design, it takes a lot of work to transform it, to make it when it was originally built. Similarly, it takes a lot of work to transform someone who's been living a life void of the influence of the creator. In other words, there's serious repairs that need to be completed. There's cracks in your foundation. You got some bad electrical. You got some leaky plumbing. You need a master craftsman, God. You need God to transform you into who he created you to be. He knows the plans that he has for you. He knows the gifts and the talents that he's given to you. But you were born into slavery. You were a slave to sin. Now, Jesus, the greatest abolitionist, came to abolish sin's grip on you by satisfying God's perfect law. And by accepting and believing in Jesus, you're now free, not a slave. You are no longer a slave. 
Unfortunately, many religions infer you're a runaway slave. And if you don't do what they say, you know, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with those who do. If you drink alcohol or if you go to clubs to dance, man, that boss man's going to find you and you're going to be stuck again, dragged back into slavery. God doesn't work that way. You can turn from God, but he's not going to turn from you. Often, as is my experience, people will turn away from religion, but hold on to their belief in God. Why? Because their religion started to feel like slavery, and they knew they were free. Their, their spirit knows they're free, but religion can feel like slavery if it's not, well, it just can, if it's not a lot of things, but... <laughs> I attend a large church, and I enjoy the worship and most of the teaching, but occasionally I hear some things that make me cringe because it's a religious trap. I can just hear it. It will influence people to fall into trying to fix themselves. Now, this happens because churches are run by flawed people like you and me. There just aren't a lot of great churches out there because God uses flawed people. And if you're not sure about that, just read the Bible and see that for every great leader, there were great flaws in their life. So we can surmise that a lesser leader will have bigger flaws, or at least a lot of flaws, because we're all flawed. But we can't do it ourselves, even though our flesh and our soul and the people around us and society tells us, just Fix it yourself. We're flawed and we're free. We're flawed because we're free. Having been freed from slavery leaves scars. And most of those scars are internal. You may have some external scars if you were slaved. But most of the scars are a stinking kind of thinking. A thought pattern and a way that we respond and interact with other people, how we perceive the world around us and the expectations that we have for how people will treat us, you know, how trustworthy people are, how untrustworthy people are, how fearful we may be. And this is why God tells you to renew your mind. Now, God didn't give you a new mind when you got saved because you would lose all your memories, you would lose your lived experiences. And yet God provided you all that you need, gave you his word. He set you free. He gave you a new spirit, and he sent the Holy Spirit to live in you. Now, you're free. You're a free man because Jesus paid for your freedom with his life and with his blood. You're not a slave. You're not a runaway slave, though you do have an enemy. He has no power or authority over you. You are completely free. You are safe. You are sealed or marked by the Holy Spirit as a member of God's family. That's who you are. Jesus paid for your freedom. He didn't buy you to be his slave. He wants you to be free. With all freedom's responsibility, with all freedom's freedom, you can respond to him or not. And he calls you and he wants to work through you, but he's patient and he waits for you to give him permission. He calls you son or daughter. He calls you friend. 
a co-heir with Christ, beloved, child, his child, the child he loves. He's not going to force you to do things, but he's calling and he wants to be in relationship with you. And he wants to help transform you to break off all those things that are broken and put in new, you know, take out the old plumbing, put in new plumbing, take out the old thought processes and give you a new way to think, a new way to see the world, the new way to see the other people around you. But knowing who you are, your true identity is the first step in becoming who God created you to be. Your authentic self, individual, unique, beautiful, loved, so very loved. But don't take my word for it. There are lots of scriptures that God reveals how he sees you. God tells you how he loves you, how he adores you, and the authority and the power that he gives you. Now, we're going to go into more of that next week. But right now, I just want you to focus on what God has done for you and what freedom means. You are free. Now, you can get the image in your head of a slave who is set free and think the world is scary and you're not sure how to respond to people because people are dangerous. And yet God is there with you. God calls you his child. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branch. He fused you into his life. He calls you friend. God calls you redeemed. Calls you set free. He calls you powerful. He calls you accepted. He calls you a saint. He gives wisdom to those who ask for it. He calls your body a temple of the Holy Spirit. You've seen some pretty magnificent temples, churches. They're unbelievable. And to think that God chose you to reside, to send his Holy Spirit. You are a new creation, and he loves you. You are chosen. You are blessed. You are so, so loved. Now, I'm going to put up on my website a list of scripture verses and things that God calls you. And I will do it in two ways. I'm going to do it in in biblical order, meaning the books of the Bible and the chapters in order. But I'm also going to do it by attribute. I can't say which one is better than another one. Because God's going to speak to you where you are, where you're wounded, or where you're open to hearing first. So it's going to be different for everybody. But I'm going to put it one where it's by attribute and one that's biblical order. So it's going to be the same. Both lists will be the same ideas. It's just if you want to look it up in scripture and maybe choose a couple of those to memorize or write down. I'm telling you, writing down scripture is powerful especially if you say it out loud while you write it down and then you can stick it in your pocket and pull it out. You don't have to fumble with your phone and try to remember where it is and all that stuff. Just get some index cards, pick two or three of these and just meditate on them this week. You are beloved. You were chosen. God knit you together in your mother's womb for purpose. You're not a mistake. You are so, so loved. 
Knowing who God is is really important, but knowing who God says you are is also important. And we build walls around those tender spots. Some people might say you have a wall in your heart. Keep people at bay because life has taught you that people are not really trustworthy. Life has taught you that there are cruel things that can happen to you if you get vulnerable. And God wants you to be vulnerable with Him because He is an absolute gentleman and absolutely trustworthy. So to let you know that He can be trusted, He wrote this down in His Word. I want you to meditate on that because you are loved. So, so loved. Well, I hope you were touched by this and I hope that you feel a little more understanding in what the process is for God to transform you and being made new. Yes, you are a completely new spirit and God is eager and patient to help you be who he created you to be. Do you want to start or further develop a relationship with Jesus? Go to elainecross.com slash Jesus and download the free ebook, Connecting to Your True Power Source. It covers connecting with Jesus, choosing a Bible, how to pray, and finding a church home and more. Again, that's elainecross.com forward slash Jesus. Have a great week. Till next time.